0: And welcome to RV Miles, your home for RV and camping news, reviews, travel guides, and more. I'm Jason.
1: And I'm Abby. And this is episode 47 of the RV Miles Podcast. To get today's show notes, head over to rvmiles.comslash podcast. You can also keep up with RV Miles on social media at Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And if you'd like to keep up with Jason and I, we are over at ourwanderingfamily.com. And we are also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, and YouTube.
0: On this week's show, we have all kinds of cool tips for driving your RV safely. A lot of stuff for newbies that have never driven an RV or anything big before, but a lot of stuff that is a good reminder for anybody traveling in a large vehicle down the road. Plus, we've got a we've got an app recommendation for a new GPS app that I wanna I wanna talk about for a bit.
1: You are so excited about this app. You have probably brought this up to me at least twice (laughs) every day for the last three days. I want to talk about this on the podcast. I really like this app.
0: It's kind of perfect for RVers. Uh, And then we've got some news. We've got a new brain teaser and a whole lot more. But first, this episode is sponsored by Boondockers Welcome. Built by RVers for RVers, Boondockers Welcome offers a unique and inspiring way to travel, connecting you, the RVer, with welcoming local hosts, that have overnight RV parking to spare. Boondockers Welcome is built on the spirit that kindness and generosity abound. And we can say, having experienced it, when they say kindness and generosity, they mean it.
1: And for only $30 a year, yes, not $30 a month, $30 a year, you too can arrange as many stays as you would like to pass a night with those who love the RV lifestyle as much as you do. Just head over to boondockerswelcome.com, enter the promo code RVMILES, that's all one word, and you will get 10% off a $30 annual guest subscription. Again, that is BoondockersWelcome.com, promo code RVMILES, all one word, 10% off. We'll also link to it in the show notes.
0: All right, let's talk about some news. Let's. Our first news item this week is the Great American Campout is back. And this is a cool little promotion. It there is no charge to be involved. All you really have to do is pledge that you will go camping this year.
1: Something I think a lot of you listening are probably interested in already, so it's, this a, no, is, it's a no-brainer.
0: <laughs> this is something put together by the National Wildlife Foundation, and they're just trying to get people to camp and to get people excited about camping, and they have lots of resources for it on their website. And you can go to the National Wildlife Foundation website, nwf.org, and sign up. Essentially, you're just entering to win a brand new Keystone RV. Plus, I think you get a, a week stay at a Jellystone campground.
1: Yes. And they're not specific about where you have to camp. It doesn't have to be at an actual campground. It can even be in your backyard. They just want to encourage people to experience the camping lifestyle, however it best Fits them, So don't think this has to be something where you're pledging a weekend at your local state park or private campground or on your vacation, you could grab a tent and you and your family could go out in your backyard and have a super fun evening under the stars. And that counts. And you're entered then now for a Keystone RV.
0: In similar news, the Every Kid in a Park program, uh, this is the program that some of you I'm sure know about where fourth graders get a national parks pass for free and it brings it allows them to bring their whole family to any national park for free this program has been running for about four years i think now yeah and there was some speculation as to whether it would return but it is coming back uh, again for another year so fourth graders get uh get a free national park pass.
1: Yeah, I'm so happy to see this this is being renewed. It's a really great program and it has exposed a lot of families and a lot of kids to the parks in more than just one park a year. And so I'm thrilled they're doing this again. I hope that it's something that we're not talking about every year being on the chopping block. I hope that it continues, the value of it continues to be seen.
0: We also want to mention in the news, as we try to do every week, the The new episode of the America's National Parks podcast is out. This one focuses on Alcatraz Island in the Golden Gate National Recreation Area, of course.
1: But no mention of Al Capone. No (laughs) trying to escape from the world's infamous inescapable prison. It's really kind of cool, the history... Of Alcatraz prior to the turn of the 20th century. Yeah,
0: no Nicolas Cage. No,
1: no. no Nicolas Cage and Sean Connery <laughs> movies are happening in this podcast.
0: We uh, we actually wanted to focus on some of the cool stories we found about Alcatraz during the Civil War. It, it was sort of constructed right at the beginning of the Civil War. And who knew that San Francisco was so involved in the Civil War? I didn't. The gold rush had just happened. So... I think there was a lot of, you know, we're going to get the treasure.
1: <laughs> we're going to take
0: over San Francisco and it's going to be ours.
1: In that voice, too. Did they turn into pirates no. in the South? No. That's kind of what you just did there. Yeah, it was really interesting. I think when you do think of the Civil War, you do not consider the West, especially the West West. Yeah. So it was a fun episode to Learn a little something. I will say for the first time, I really you handed it to me and I started reading it. And I was like, huh, I didn't really know any of this.
0: All right. Can we talk about my app now?
1: Yes. Yes. Jason has been just chomping at the bit to talk about this app. So I'm just going to sit back, drink (laughs) my Starbucks because I had to go get one before we started this podcast. I'm going to let him go to town.
0: So this we use uh, GPS on our phones for navigation. And some people use dedicated RV GPSs. Some of you are pulling an RV in a truck and you've got one built in in your truck, but we use, we use Google maps generally on our phones. And we've talked about how we plan our, our trips out a a bit before.
1: Some of us use Apple maps. Just saying (sighs) it's terrible. (laughs) Let's not do this again. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, but so this new app I've been playing around with a bit, I haven't been able to use it on a long drive yet, but I have been playing around with it a bit. Uh, It's called the InRoute Trip Planner, I-N-R-O-U-T-E. I'm not even sure if it's a new app or what, but I've just discovered it for myself. And what's cool about this, it's not just a GPS app. It is really a trip planner. So what it does is it allows you to add all kinds of destinations. You know, you don't have to just put, your start and your end, and maybe a couple stopovers on the way, you can put a lot of stopovers in, and you can put in times for the amount of time you want to stay at those stopovers. So say you want to have a really accurate estimation of how long your drive day is going to be tomorrow. You can put in your your lunch and your dinner and how long you're going to stay at those stop stops. You can put in a duration for those times. And and get a really accurate estimation of when you're going to arrive somewhere. But that's just the very tip of this. One of the coolest features is, you know, I've talked about before, we use this website called flattestroute.com to help us find the least elevation changes in, in a route somewhere. And it's a it's a great website, but it's a little inconvenient to use because it doesn't work with your GPS and you have to go to website, there's no app. So if you're, you know, you can pull it up on a phone, but it's still, it's annoying. This has elevation changes built in on a graph. Not only does it have elevation changes, it has how curvy the route is, which I know is a really big deal to Abby because can you she see? gets seasick. <laughs>
1: Yes. Not only do I, but the children get motion sickness as well. And there's been enough moments that I won't go into on this podcast where (laughs) we really need to be mindful of just how much is happening because sometimes you just can't get to the trash can fast enough. (laughs) So So, we'll leave it at (laughs) there.
0: So it'll show you on a graph how curvy your route is. In addition, it will show you on a graph what the weather on your route is going to be like. And it allows you to put in a start time. So a lot of apps will give you the weather along your your route, but most of them don't allow allow you to say, hey, I'm leaving in three days, what's the weather going to be on my route? It, it will put all those three things on a graph on the same graph. So you can see which areas are going to be traveled for you. But it can also automatically just route you around them. You can give you the least curvy route, the least elevated route, the the least weather issues route.
1: This is sort of like road trippers and flattest route and the things we love about the GPS on our phones all put together into one big giant app. This is everything I feel Listening to you talk, it's like, this is everything Jason has always said he wants in just one space. I know. I can see now why you are so excited about this.
0: The only thing it doesn't have, which I wish it did, is the ability to put in your width and height, which is some of the reasons why people get RV GPSs. Because you can enter your height and, and it will try to avoid low clearance bridges and things like that. I
1: always feel so bad for those truckers that yeah. we see stopped in front of a bridge because they just know I'm not going yeah. forward.
0: So that that's the only downfall, but I think it's really cool. I think it's worth, worth checking out. In the uh, Apple App Store, it is free to download, but you don't get the ability to use it for turn-by-turn directions. If you do the free download, you have to upgrade it to to get actual turn by turn directions. And it's $14.99. It has all kinds of other features as well. $14.99, or you can pay a monthly subscription, uh, which gives you more stops that you can add in. But I don't, I don't think that's worth it. I think 20 stops is is plenty to be well, able
1: to $14.99 add is really expensive for an app. That's a shocking number yeah. to see. But when you think about what it offers and then you put it up against an R V GPS system. It's definitely a much cheaper investment if it's just not in your world right now to be able to afford. I think an RV GPS runs like somewhere in the mid 100s and up, right?
0: Yeah, up to 300 plus.
1: Right. So this is a fantastic alternative for $15 to give you a lot of those features. Just make sure you know how tall you are. And we're going to talk about that in the next segment.
0: All right, let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll have the answer to last week's brain teaser and we'll get into our RV driving tips. Be right back. All right, we're back with the answer to last week's brain teaser. It went like this. A man and his two sons were stranded on an island. All they had to get off the island was a small boat, but it could only hold the weight of the man and his two sons weighed about half of what he weighed. How did the man and his sons get off the island? Sort of simple question, but it's a little complicated once you figure once you Think about it.
1: Yeah, I answered 75% of it last week.
0: (laughs) The way it works is this the two sons get in the boat and they row back to shore. One jumps out and the other rows back to the island. Then he has to get out, and the dad gets in and he rows back to shore. So the son, the other son, is still on the island. And then the other son gets in on the shore. Rose back to the island to get the sun. That back to the island, and then they head back to shore.
1: That's a lot of work. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of work. Yeah. Hey, Thought but you gotta get off. The, yeah, you gotta get off the island. <laughs> so before we move on, I just want to mention that should you hear in the background the sound of joyous or perhaps devastated children, they are downstairs. We're at my parents' house here in Kansas City visiting. They are downstairs playing, go fish, crazy eights, old maid with their Nana. And it must be epic because I just keep hearing these random sounds of hooping and hollering. And so I can't bring myself to go and be like, everyone be quiet. We're recording because time with Nana is very precious. So it may just be a part of today's podcast. And I'm completely fine with that, but I wanted to mention it.
0: (laughs) This segment is sponsored by RV Health. Affordable access to healthcare is a major challenge for those of us who travel frequently. Thankfully, there's a new solution with RV Health. RV Health's online doctors can write prescriptions and even act as your primary care physician. You'll get a prescription discount for an average of 62% off retail medication prices, plus vision and dental discounts and so much more.
1: While not insurance, RV Health works as a supplement to your current plan or provides basic health care for those without. And the best part, it is only $24 a month for your whole family. Visit rvhealth.com slash rvmiles to get your first month for $1. Just $1 with no commitment required. That's rvhealth.com slash rvmiles. Yeah,
0: and you have to put that slash rvmiles in there. You won't get that $1 for the first month. It's a really good deal.
1: Yeah, it's a great deal. And $24 a month to have... Some of the access to discounts, especially for those who maybe don't have the greatest of insurance plans. What a fantastic deal.
0: And you don't have to be a big RV traveler either. You, you, this no. is great for anybody who travels, uh, you know, is away from potential primary care physicians regularly. It's yeah, a, it's a really great deal. Love it. All right. Let's talk about our driving tips. I'm excited about this. I think I this is are. fun.
1: I know. I said we're doing a Jason podcast today. <laughs> we're talking about apps, GPS apps. We're talking about driving tips. This is all you, babe.
0: <laughs> all right. First of all, let's let's just in general say RV driving is not as hard as people might think it would be. We've never driven one before.
1: I think intimidating is, might well, be a better word. I mean, it, it can, is
0: intimidating. Yes. It's just it, it's not as hard as you think once you learn some of the basics. Yes. The key. Very simply, if you, you listen to nothing else, is to go slow and use your mirrors.
1: That's it. Your mirrors are your friend.
0: They are your lifesaver. Yes. They are what allows you to see. All, and if you've got a backup camera, even better. But use your mirrors wherever you are and go slow. And that will solve 90% of your problems.
1: And can I recommend if you don't have a backup camera that you think about putting one in?
0: Yeah. And not not for not just for backing up. We, we use it as our rear view mirror. Yeah, it's on all the time. So I can see vehicles coming up behind me because that's the one thing that you don't get with a lot of RVs is the option to have a rear view mirror.
1: Yes. Well, it's also peace of mind when you're towing. Yeah. So we are constantly eyes on
0: our minivan. <laughs> minivan. I've, I've had this <laughs> rational fear lately. I don't, maybe it's not irrational. You know, we've got the remotes for our minivan, the, the, that open it and unlock it. And when you double press on them, you can open up the side doors and the back hatch. And I have this fear now constantly of, we're going down the road and maybe I put the van keys in my pocket or something and the back hatch will open
1: up. <laughs> that would be quite the Clark Griswold yeah, moment. It would. Without I the to... funny ending though. <laughs> <laughs> so the solution to that though, Jason, is to put the keys in the little know, key basket right that on. I have on top. Mm-hmm. Just yep, saying, right I just, up. I'm just saying, just saying.
0: <laughs> First, I want to talk about the different types of RVs and, and, the differences in driving them a little bit. Obviously, pulling a trailer, a big trailer is different than driving a big motorhome, a class A or a class C. If you're driving a class B, you don't even need to listen to the rest <laughs> of this episode. You're driving a van.
1: <laughs> we'll L- see you next week. Lucky <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: But, you know, towing a big trailer, there are a lot of different things that you need to worry about, especially when when backing up or turning, then you might worry about with a motorhome. Motorhome is going to be much more about things like tail swing. But the, the big thing I want to mention is a lot of people are scared of the big class A's and would rather drive a C cause that looks more comfortable to them. But the thing I want to mention about that is if you are interested in a class A, they actually drive way better than a class C. Class C's are, are, can be a challenge to drive down the road you don't have the greatest vision because you've got that overhang a Class C is the kind that has the the bed overhang over the uh, over the cab area so you can't see as well uh, it's like driving I don't know a giant mail truck or something they 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 wobble a bit their steering is a little rough steering stabilization is a is a really great addition for any Class C motorhome Uh, Class A's drive so much nicer.
1: I think it's pretty clear in the year that we've been doing this that you're really just a like up front, flat front kind of RV driver. You really like being right up there and right over the road. And even when we've gone to RV shows last season, I remember you just saying a lot that in the class A with the flat front right up there, you felt like you had more ability to see everything around you. And then you would get into some of these other models and you would feel like your vision was really constricted.
0: Yeah. And and I've driven plenty of class C's in the past and, and it is constricted. But even some of the newer ones, it's like way worse because the dash is really deep. And some of the Class A's were that way, too. That we Yeah, found. there
1: were a few like some that. Some of the
0: gas Class A's, because the gas Class A's usually have the engine up front. Some of them, the dash is so deep. You're way back.
1: That seems to be a, a style choice now. Yeah. Like they think that people really want this long dash in well, front of them. And
0: some people are scared of a Class A because they feel like they're exposed, right? Their body is right up near the glass in the front. But the thing is, you're so high. If you're to get into some sort of accident with most vehicles on the road, you're above that accident, and you still do have a ton of metal in between you and and what's happening. Um, So I really love driving class A. I'm not saying you must get a class A over a class C. I'm just saying if your major concern is the drivability and it looks scarier to you to drive a class A than a C, know that it it is a little bit more challenging, I think, to drive a C than it is to drive an A. All right, let's get into some of these tips. First of all, know your size. This is the number one most important thing that you can do is know how big you are because obviously you don't want to crash into some sort of overpass or go down a, uh, go through a construction zone that they've limited the width or the height of and you be too big for it.
1: Yeah, know your size, meaning your height, your width and your length know how long you are and not just your actual motor home know how long you are when you have if you are driving a truck and you've got a fifth wheel or you're pulling a trailer know how your total length on the road how long you are
0: and it is not quite as easy as you might think to know all these dimensions because the the what the manufacturer is telling you is not always accurate Often the length is that they list for a trailer or a motorhome might be the interior length and there's really no standard. It might be the interior length on a trailer. It might be the the length of the actual trailer, not including the tongue on a fifth wheel. It might be from the kingpin back. It just depends. So you need to measure yourself. And then knowing the height, it's, it's not as easy as just putting a tape measure on it. No, especially if you're tall. <laughs> and Well, you need to find the, the highest point on your RV. So here's a little tip. If you take a two by four, a long one, a two before my, my uh, grandpa would have called it two before. <laughs> take a two by four or a board, any sort of long board, and put that across the highest point of your RV. Usually that's going to be an air conditioner or something like that. Lay it across the air conditioner And then you're gonna measure down the side of your RV from that. So you have somebody up on top and then somebody on the ground. You could even tape the tape measure to the the board. And and then you can measure from the board to the ground instead of having to, you know, measure the side of your RV and then take the tape measure to the air conditioners or whatever else is sticking up there and then add that on. And then not knowing about the hump and your roof don't do any of that. Just take it, take a board, lay it across, measure to it and then measure to it on both sides because your trailer might be leaning a little bit one way or the other. The driveway might be leaning a little bit one way or the other. Measure both sides from the highest point and then take the average of the two. That's, that's your height. And, and then same thing with length. you got to just take a tape measure to it and, and figure out what your Total length and width are.
1: Yeah, because when you told me how long we were with the van attached to Wanderbus, I didn't believe you. Nobody I thought, Nobody I thought, <laughs> believed
0: me. I said, I said, I think our van is 17 feet long.
1: I was like, get out of here. Nobody town, believed me
0: that the van is 17 <laughs> feet long. No, I didn't on its own.
1: I will fully admit that right here. I did not. And so when you told me how long it was. It
0: was a total guess, by the way. The van is exactly 17 feet long.
1: Okay, okay. <laughs> Calm down. Just, just calm down. <laughs> I was surprised. And I think it's worth knowing that because I, I underestimated. Yeah. I did not think we, what are we 60?
0: We we are 57 feet long. Total. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I did not think we were that long. I don't look at it and yeah. see 57 feet.
0: You need to know that for legal limits too. I mean, there are some States where they have legal lengths that you can B and sometimes at 60 feet, sometimes at 65. Sometimes yeah, we're more. close. We're pushing it. The other thing about size is if you want to know your width and your, what the manufacturer might list is the width of the vehicle itself, not including things like tow mirrors. So you want to know the, the width of, of your total vehicle, including mirrors so that you can know, you know, where you can fit. All right. Like I said before, go slow. This is up front because it is it is so important, and it solves 90% of problems with driving an RV. But but people are scared to go slow. It's, it's really, I think it's a real big fear that you're driving down an interstate where the speed limit is 70 miles an hour. People are driving 80, and you want to go 60 or 65, or 55 but you feel that that's dangerous. It's not. You can absolutely drive slower. It is safer. Than you driving faster.
1: When we first got on the road, I was I wasn't scared so much as I was embarrassed. You were yes. I was really embarrassed. And I don't know why I put so much stock in what individuals on the road who were going to pass me for all of one second, and I was never going to probably encounter again why I cared (laughs) so much about whether or not they were cussing us out or frustrated with us. But I really cared and It took me a while to be like this going slow at our pace. A safe pace is so much better than trying to keep up with the Joneses on the highway. I got over it. But in the beginning, it was difficult to not feel peer pressure on the road. And I think we feel peer pressure even when we're in our cars and people are pushing us to go faster than we feel comfortable going. I felt a lot of peer pressure from other drivers.
0: Everybody knows accidents are, are caused by speed and, and speed makes accidents worse, but also trailer tires are usually rated to 65 miles an hour. Some are rated more, but very often they're rated to 65 miles an hour. Uh, so meaning you can heat up your trailer tires too much and they blow and that's what causes blowouts. And, but not only all on that, going slower, you get a lot better fuel mileage and hey, If Jason loves the fuel mileage, you could save a couple hundred dollars a year going slower in an RV. And
1: I think that's another tip to lead into, even if it's not on this list, is that you should know what your tires are rated for. Yeah, absolutely. You should know you should know how much weight you have in your trailer when you're traveling, you know, to make sure that you're not overpacked and putting a lot of stress on those wheels we have seen a lot lately i feel like in some of these rv groups people showing pictures of blowouts yeah. and not understanding why it's happening these are brand new tires we just got them and a lot of times what ends up happening is you discover they're too packed in well, the trailer
0: also a lot of times that's why they're brand new because a lot of these manufacturers are are putting some some really questionable cheap, <laughs> questionable tires on these rvs uh and they're going too fast they're they're not inflated to the right pressure and they're not loaded properly. Not only should you obviously not overload your, your trailer, you want to load as much as you can towards the front of your trailer as possible. The more you load towards the back, I'll put up a video in the show notes that shows an example of this. If your trailer is heavier in the back, you're increasing the potential for uh, uncontrollable sway drastically and a lot of people do that on purpose because they don't want to put a lot of weight on the tongue so there's a trade-off there but you are you are really asking for trouble if you overload your trailer towards the back all right be super courteous rvs are not a place for road rage
1: no they're not just let it go be like elsa and let it go
0: let everybody turn before you be, just be incredibly generous. Take your time getting where, where you need to
1: go. You are big. What's that saying? Yeah. It's the journey, not the destination. <laughs> right. When you're traveling in your RV and you are going from point A to point B, it's about the journey. and The journey has to be incredibly courteous and willing to let those smaller automobiles go ahead of you. And just take your time. You will be happier and you will be safer. And the people traveling with you will also be safe.
0: Yeah. I mean, and also, it's a, a lot of it is about letting the people driving around you know not to be nervous of you. So, you know, slow down. Turn your turn signal on way before you would have otherwise. And, you know, take take your time merging. Just take it easy, gentle, slow. Don't make sudden movements. You know, pretend... Pretend you're avoiding a T-Rex. You don't want it to see you.
1: <laughs> we just <with> watched <laughs> Jurassic World the other night. So because that was a very random.
0: <laughs> you know, if if you're if you're about to miss an exit, you know, don't try to cross three lanes. It, those things that you might do in a car, you just can't do in an RV. You miss the exit. Yeah. And you that leads the next one. You turn around.
1: That leads right into our next tip, which is lane position.
0: You really need to center yourself in, in your lane. And this is something that just takes practice. You really, and and our backup camera really helps me with this because it's got sort of the backup lines and I can see really exactly where I am in in the lane, but you need to make sure you have the same amount of space on the right side of you as you do on the left side of you. And that's hard with a vehicle eight and a half feet wide and the lane is only 10 feet wide.
1: Especially if you're choosing to drive in the middle lane, Mm -hmm. then you've really got to pay attention to both sides.
0: I line up our fuel gauge with the the line on the left of me whether that's the you know the center line or what and that helps me center in the lane quite a bit. Your your mirrors can also help with this. You can watch your back tires and see where you are in the lane in your in your mirrors. Keep far right. Obviously you want to be in the right lane if you're driving slow, you're driving a a, a big rig and let people pass you on the left. But if there are three lanes, It's still best to stay in the right. Now, some people are going to disagree with me here. Some people are going to think, you know, people are merging into traffic in the right lane, and that's sort of what it's for. But your size, and if you're going slow enough, that shouldn't be an issue for you whatsoever, because everybody that is entering on the on-ramp should be going faster than you. You know, by the time you're even with them, they should be able to pass you, and it's no problem, unless you're in Oklahoma City. (laughs)
1: I can't get over that.
0: If you're in Oklahoma City, don't be in that right lane ever because
1: If you live in Oklahoma City, can you please send me a message and explain to me why you stop they at stop entrance
0: ramps? On the on-ramp, <laughs> they stop and wait.
1: This didn't, I didn't happen. <laughs> This didn't happen to us just once. This happened to us several times. And when we had got into Oklahoma City, my brother immediately was like, I want to warn you right now, people, for whatever reason in the city, they stop at entrance ramps if they don't feel like they have a clear road to get onto the highway. And Jason and I were like, get out of town. Nobody does that. That's so dangerous. Why would you come to a complete stop when people are flying by you going 70, 75 miles an hour? Sure enough, we weren't even there 24 hours and there was a minivan coming down the entrance ramp. And I guess it just didn't like what it saw. So it stopped and it waited. So if you live in Oklahoma City, is this part of your driver's handbook?
0: Can you- <laughs> I think they just see others do it and they do it.
1: I, it just it has to be generational. Oh. So I just I'm really curious about this. Does it create problems for you when you have to get up to speed and get on the highway? Do you drive on the shoulder until you are ready to get in? <laughs> Anyway, sorry, I just I need to know
0: the other benefit of driving in the far right lane is then you're only worrying about the left mirror for the most part. You don't really have to worry about too much what's going on the right side of you unless there is an on ramp. So then you can you can just deal with the traffic on your left side.
1: But again, in Oklahoma, they'll just stop <laughs> at the on ramp and and you can just keep going.
0: Keep your distance. You can't stop as fast as you can stop in in your car.
1: Nor do you want nor, to,
0: nor do you want to, because <laughs> no. everything goes fine. It takes time to stop. And you know what? You're going to keep your distance from the car in front of you. And other cars are going to use that as an opportunity to just pull into that big open space. Oh,
1: they're going to take it.
0: That's fine. Gonna then take you, it. then you slow down and you make that big distance between that car that popped in there. Can't get mad about it. RV is no place for road rage.
1: <laughs> that should be a plaque that like sits near the driver's seat that just says RVs are no place for road rage. We should put that in the RV miles, Amazon shop. (laughs) You should make one of those.
0: Usually the rule of thumb they tell you when you're driving a car is to count two seconds. So you sort of like watch to find a sign on the side of the road and you count two seconds and give yourself a two second following distance. An RV, usually you want at least four second following distance. And that's, that's a lot of room. On an interstate.
1: I like a solid five. (laughs) I just feel better with a solid five. But
0: here's the thing. If you're going to, you you really, truly, you should be going slower than anybody else on the road. That following distance is not going to be an issue. (laughs) They're going to be going ahead of you.
1: People in Oklahoma City will love you because they will have all the room in the world to comfortably get onto the highway.
0: And, you know, if you're on a if you're on a two lane road or something like that. Don't be, you might have a line of cars behind you. Don't be pressured into going faster because you have a car line of cars behind you. When you get an opportunity, go to pull off and, and, and let cars buy. There are states where it's actually illegal to not pull off and let cars buy. But, you know, on roads, when there's a, a dotted yellow line and they can pass you, there's no reason that they can't pass you. So if they're not wanting to pass you, they're not.
1: Yeah, we they do that. A- stay
0: back there. <laughs>
1: it's their choice. We do that a lot when we're driving, especially through forest preserves. There seems that's usually just a two lane and they'll have somewhere where you can pull off. We do that a lot. It is hard, though, not to feel the pressure of all those cars behind you. Again, it's social society pressure or, I don't know, peer pressure, I guess. When you're on the road, everyone's behind you and you think, oh, they're all so mad at me because I'm going this speed. Well, you know what? They're all going to be really, really mad at you when you cause a car accident yeah. and they're all a part of it. So yeah. take your time, let them have their moment. If they need to have it pull off when you can, but just maintain your safe speed for you and your RV.
0: I like to help them a little bit too. You know, I can see further ahead than they can. I'm up high. I'm, I'm 60 so feet in front nice. of them.
1: You'll stick your hand out and you'll be like, okay, yeah. I'm waving you along. Like, I'm gonna slow down and let you go ahead. You're so nice, and I'm surprised how many people don't give you away oh, when no. they pass. They're
0: mad. They are so mad. But Come also, on, people the, give the, the wave. The flip side of that is most often putting my hand out and saying, "Don't pass me," because there's yeah. a they're 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 getting ready to, and I see a car coming, and you know
1: we I, have watched some people make some very, very dangerous choices to pass not just us, but to pass others on two lanes where they are in oncoming traffic and seconds away from smacking into the car that is coming right for them. And the car coming right for them is like, I dare you to stay in this lane. They both
0: know it. It is not like somebody accidentally did something. They both see each other. The car oncoming car is not slowing down.
1: It is not a game of chicken. It's a game of chicken. I don't want to be a part of. And I get incredibly, I mean, like white knuckled, you know, slow down, Jason. This may not work out in anyone's benefit. But thankfully, so far, they've been able to get over and avoid anything really serious.
0: All right, let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll have some more tips and we'll have a new brain teaser. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. Let's talk about turning.
1: My most favorite subject to talk about.
0: Well, you know... (laughs) Really, you can't get into a whole lot of trouble driving an RV until you turn. (laughs) That's where most of the problems happen.
1: Wide right turns.
0: (laughs) The the biggest thing you need to know is that when you're driving an RV, you turn one way. Part of it is going to turn the other way. So depending on the size of your RV, that that's called tail swing. Depending on the size of your RV, your tail swing could be, it could be 15 inches. It could be 30 inches could be more. You can measure this. You can go to a parking lot and uh, drive up next to like a white line or something or a curb and have somebody get out and watch you and make a turn away from it. And you can see how far your tail swings over that. Now, in a motorhome like we have, the, the tail swing is generally going to be bigger than it is going to be with pulling a trailer. But We can actually see it a lot easier. So when I'm making a turn, I can see my tail swing and what I might be hitting in my mirror. So if I'm uh, about to make a left turn from a stop sign, I can see if my rear bumper is going to actually hit that stop sign as I'm making that left turn.
1: Yeah. And listen, let's be honest. We have taken some right turns out of parking lots (laughs) that uh, we've really gotten to know the curb. As the bus (laughs) has taken the turn, the car has gotten to have a little meet and greet with the curb.
0: There's no shame in going a little bit left before you turn right. There
1: is no shame in that game. (laughs) And even two years into this, there are still sometimes, I think, turns that you make that surprise you in regards to how the bus and the vehicle being pulled behind it react.
0: Yeah, I mean, hitting a curb with a motorhome is is not is not a pleasant experience. It
1: makes your teeth rattle a little bit.
0: But it's better than, you know, hitting a, a post or a sign or something. Yeah. You're actually doing damage and that yeah. can that can happen. When you're towing a trailer, you can't necessarily see where your tail is swinging, so you have to really have a good grasp on how much room you need. So all vehicles have a pivot point and this is much more pronounced in a motorhome. The pivot point is your rear wheels. So when you make a turn, if I'm making in, in our bus, if I'm making a right turn, everything front of the rear wheels is turning right. Everything behind the rear wheels is is moving to the left. And that's that's what's that's our tail swing. That's what's going to hit something. So you need to know, you know, you need to be able to watch your pivot point in the mirror. You're next to a gas pump, right? So you've got a gas pump on your left hand side. When can you turn left if you want to pull past it and turn left? Once your pivot point is at the end of the gas pump, then it's safe to turn left. And, you know, of course, any other similar instance. So you really wanna practice turning. You can go to an empty parking lot and practice all day long. This is really the toughest part about driving an RV. And it's the thing that you can just figure out by, by some experience.
1: Absolutely. Next on the list, and this one is gonna seem like a no brainer, but it was a really important one we felt to put on here. And that was know when to brake.
0: Yeah. You know, you don't want to have to slam on the brakes ever. Uh, and it happens from time to time. And it's not pretty when you're in an RV. Not only is it not pretty, though, slamming on your brakes in an RV doesn't get you to stop like it does when you're driving a car. You still it still takes time to stop. You need That's why we mentioned that stopping distance. You need room to stop still because you just don't immediately come to a stop.
1: There's a lot more going on for the car, for the motor home when you have to brake and you're pulling something or you're just incredibly big. There's a lot more that happens than when you're braking in your Honda Civic.
0: There's just all that weight continuing to push you forward. Yeah. So in addition to braking when you're stopping, braking when you're heading up and down mountains and high grades is, is really important thing to understand and figure out because you can burn your brakes up and then you have no brakes going down a mountain. Right.
1: And that's a really hard thing to know just off the top of your head. Like how much can I, how many more times can I press on this brake before I have burned the brakes? And that was something that we actually had to kind of learn a little bit. We had a situation when we were in San Bernardino, getting up into coming down out of the mountains that I yeah. think you started to feel like, okay. This well, it is... got out
0: of hand for me a little bit. Yeah. I mean, and that's going to happen. You're not going to be an expert. Even if you are an expert, it's going to happen to you from time to time that absolutely it gets out of hand for you a little bit. And, and the best thing to do in that situation is just slow down and, and almost stop if you need to, and then uh-huh. start over. So you're you're coming down a mountain. It, there's, you know, it's a steep grade. It's it, You're gonna be constantly rolling and you're gonna be constantly needing to brake. The first thing you need to make sure you do at the very start is to put yourself in a low gear. You wanna be in second gear or so to come down and, and make sure that, that, that your engine is slowing you down. It's not gonna slow you down entirely, but it's gonna help. If you have an engine brake, use it. I've seen so many people in, in some of the, the Facebook groups that have an engine brake on their truck and they're like, I've never used it. I really don't know how you just turn it on. <laughs> That's all you do. It does. It's, it does its, it's thing on automatic. its own. Turn it on. Uh, it, it is incredibly useful and really important. And it saves your, your regular brakes.
1: I should say too, that that situation we had coming out of the San Bernardino mountains, that was really extreme. That was a situation where We were making almost 180 degree turns down that mountain. And we even decided to not pull. So I was behind you. And at some points I was in front of you in the van with the kids. I was in manual in the van and it was still difficult just in the minivan to not keep my foot on the brake as much as I wanted to. And really try to navigate using it manually to make sure that on my end, just in the minivan, I didn't burn up the brakes.
0: So the best thing you can do to brake when you're coming down a steep grade is to is to stab at the brakes. And it sucks. You're (laughs) going to hate it. Yeah. And your passengers are really going to hate it. It's quite
1: the workout. (laughs) You
0: know, everything is going to jerk. But the best thing you can do is just short little slams on the brake stabs. I don't want to say slams, stabs at the brake instead of holding it down and then pulling it back up and holding it down and pulling it back up. Stabbing the brakes is going to keep them cooler while still providing the same amount of stopping power. So you just keep stabbing at it so you maintain a slow speed. Again, it's all about going slow. There is nothing, if you're going down a steep grade and you know the speed limit is 65 miles an hour or something like that, There is nothing wrong with going 30 or 40 if you need to.
1: And another thing I would really encourage is that if you get on these steep grades and you feel yourself starting to become anxious, it is okay to pull over and take a minute and regroup yourself before you get back on that road. If you feel uncomfortable, take the first opportunity you can to stop and reset yeah. yourself mentally because it's just as much a mental game as it is the driving game and being concerned about the care of the motor home and the passengers inside of it but it is a, it's a mental game and i can see jason when we get into those situations up or down he really needs calm in the bus you know he needs the kids to not be yelling and loud and and boisterous which they can often be, especially as we get towards the end of a drive, he needs focus and he needs to really just mentally get in his head in that game.
0: Yeah, so just keep it in low gear, go slow, don't worry about the people passing you, and just whatever you do, don't let your RV gain too much speed going downhill. Keep it in low gear and, and let your RV do the work for you. So you've driven to your destination or you're stopping somewhere, gas stations or, or your parking lot at a Walmart or whatever, there's no shame in having somebody get out and helping you park. There's also no shame if you're by yourself in getting out on your own, surveying, you know, making sure you're not about to hit something and getting back in and backing up, especially if you're backing into a spot.
1: Yeah, and if you're at a gas station, Don't feel embarrassed if you get there and decide, you know what, I'm not feeling this place. I'm going to drive around the back or whatever the easiest exit is, and I'm going to leave. Don't be embarrassed if you have to do that, if you just get there and you feel like this is this doesn't feel right. I don't feel comfortable trying to get into this spot. We've talked in the past that the trucker side of some fuel stations can feel really intimidating and if you get to one and it feels intimidating and you don't feel comfortable doing it and you've got the fuel to keep going, go a little bit further until you find one that you feel comfortable parking at and taking care of what you need to take care of there.
0: Yeah, one of the biggest challenges for for RVers is is people that have a a gasser, they a gas motorhome or a, a gas truck pulling a large uh trailer and trying to find a gas pump that they can that they can utilize because the diesel pumps in, in the back for the truckers at a truck stop are great for anybody that's got diesel. But if you've got gas, sometimes it's hard and you have to use those front pumps. And, uh, but usually, usually there's plenty of room on the outside pump. If you just always decide to use the outside pump at a fuel station, you should be good to go. And that's often where they put diesel as well. So mm-hmm. if you're going to use diesel up front, that's usually where the diesel is going to be on on the outside pump. So you might have to wait for it, but you know, take it and you'll be fine. When I'm not not going to get into really backing up a trailer, because that's sort of a bigger thing, but that's a big thing you'll have to learn if you're going to be driving a trailer. And I just want to make a, a suggestion. And this is kind of a, a crazy suggestion, but it really I think it does help. There, there are some games. That are available, like in the in the App Store oh, for goodness. for uh, for iPhones and for Android.
1: Man, you will find any reason I to mean, download an app.
0: These there are literally <laughs> like ten of these games that are RV driving games, and a lot of it has to do with backing up a trailer. It's nothing like actually backing up a trailer, but you get the idea of how a trailer works when you're backing up, because it doesn't it. It, it turns the opposite direction of the wheel, first of all. So if you're, if you're turning your wheel towards the right, if you're turning it clockwise towards the right while, you, while you're backing up, your trailer is going to go left. My mom taught me when I was, when I was learning to drive, when I was like 14, if you put your hands on the bottom of the wheel and then you turn the wheel the way you want the trailer to go, it'll go that direction instead of on the top. So put your hands on the bottom of the wheel, turn it the way you want your, your trailer to go and practice it, you know, go into a parking lot, practice, practice, practice. All it comes down to is just spending 15 minutes, a half hour. So you're not arriving in a campground for the first time trying to figure out how trailers go in reverse.
1: Yeah. And as this week was the official start of summer, June 21st, a lot of people are getting out and maybe some of you are taking your camper out for the. Very first time this season, you just picked up your brand new one. I would love to know how it goes. I would love to know how you felt getting out there, getting into your campsite, and how the experience was for you.
0: All right, let's wrap this episode up with a brain teaser.
1: Yes, let's.
0: At a party, everyone shook hands with everyone else. There were 66 handshakes in all. How many people were at the party?
1: 122. 33.
0: <laughs> Stop. <laughs> we'll have the answer to that and so much more on next week's episode of the RV Miles podcast.
1: Yes. Thank you so much for listening. If you are enjoying the podcast, we would appreciate a five-star review over on Apple Podcast, formerly iTunes, or just give us a share around your campfire next time you're out at the campground. But whatever you do, thank you so much for listening. Have a great week. And we have a special little guest who's going to sign us off. See you next week, everyone. Bye.